Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Brazilian Point of View. My name is Ana, and today we have a very special episode with one of my favorite singers of all times, Sab. I am obsessed with her songs, even before she was Zab, because before she would do her artistic name, I think is what it's called. It was Gabby Z, and I heard her music once back in 2019 when i was in new york i went to this event and i was just instantly obsessed with her music and then i got her here on the podcast which is just like me fangirling hard it was kind of embarrassing actually now that i think back but i'm just obsessed with her music and it was very enlightening it was really nice to have her here on the podcast talking about her asian roots but also coming out as queer and making music and rooted Asian hate and all of these topics because it's just something that is just very international talk but not something that I necessarily talk about when I make episodes about Asian countries. So it was really nice to have her here to talk about this and obviously because she is my idol after all but yeah i really hope that you enjoyed this episode but before we get to that please make sure to follow subscribe and review this podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify and follow the podcast on instagram at the brazilian pov podcast and now without further ado let's get to the episode hi gabby how are you i'm so good how are you doing i'm good thank you so much for coming to the podcast i am so excited to have you here Oh my god, I'm so excited to be here. This is the first podcast I've ever done. So this is oh, a, that's this exciting. Is a milestone. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm Gabby. Uh, I go by Zab as my like stage name. Um, I am a queer, bald, Asian American artist in Brooklyn at the moment. And um, I have new music coming out soon, which I'm super excited about. It's a debut album that I'm releasing single by single um, that I produce. It's the first thing I've ever produced myself. So it's a, it's a big moment for me. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. I'm so excited for your new music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. It's been like my main quarantine um, coping mechanism. So excited to put it out. I'm excited to be out and just listen to it already and then put all of your songs on my playlist. Yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> yes, that's the honestly, playlisting helps so much with like dumb algorithms on Spotify and whatever. So that's my yeah. favorite thing people can say. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think it was last year because I've been following you on Instagram for like two years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was last year, it was. If I'm not mistaken, it was on Pride Month that you came out as queer. So how is it for you identifying as yourself as queer and being your true self? Because I feel just watching you on Instagram and everything that you've been through a major change. So I don't know if that's the case, really. But yeah. how is it? Um. So it was... I don't know it was strange I felt weird about like a coming out because I've known I'm like 
some capacity of queer for some like a long time I feel like mid high school um and I I came out to my parents by like texting them I was like I don't like this does not need to be talked about like it's not a thing I just want you to know in case people ask <laughs> but um yeah I don't know it's it's been strange because I grew up having I was really lucky to have like gay culture and queer culture like not be as taboo as I think it is for a lot of people um I, like most of my friends growing up were gay in some in some way <laughs> so I felt almost like I don't know it was very anticlimactic in a really cool way that I hope will only like continue as time moves forward like people being like I'm gay and everyone's like okay <laughs> yeah cool <laughs> um yeah but yeah so it wasn't necessarily like a huge shift um although I am noticing small things along the way like I feel more comfortable um in my skin and I feel more comfortable talking about my life and like sharing with people so yeah it's been it's been a cool cool journey I guess if we want to call it a journey <laughs> Yeah, I feel this. I watched this um, movie. I love this movie. It's called Love, Simon. I don't even know if you've watched it. I haven't seen that. That's with, um, what's his name? Ansel I, I can't Keyboard remember. or whatever? I'm terrible yeah. with actors' names. <laughs> that one, Burnett Boy. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was like such a cool movie. And he says, like he comes, he doesn't come. I can't, I can't spoil the movie. <laughs> but... It's about him being gay and he doesn't know how to come out to his friends and family. And then it's there's such a funny scene because he says like, why do I have to come out? And why don't straight people have to come out? This doesn't make sense. And I second wow. that. And then he shows like his friends, like imaginary, obviously coming out to their parents as straight and like the reaction of the parents as they were coming out like they sure. were gay or whatever and uh -huh. it's such a funny scene but seriously I don't even know why do you have to come out necessarily why there's this need I simply don't understand yeah I think it's like a, I don't know there's it can obviously be like to not care that much about coming out is definitely like um a privilege that I've had because I wasn't it wasn't like a huge stressor but I can definitely understand how it's like a big thing for people who it might be a very big stressor for um so like I understand the importance to some people but at the same time it's like unless you're talking about your sexuality a lot like regardless of orientation I don't see why it has to be a thing you know I think like kind of implies that something has to change I guess coming out and it, it doesn't, it's like exactly the same thing because it's about someone's personal life and it doesn't change anything anymore. So I don't, I don't see how it makes a sense and why it's such a big deal for everyone else. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm, we're on the same page here for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you said that you are Asian American and you were very speaking up, speaking up a lot on the Asian hate and because it was a huge thing a few months ago, I think, mm -hmm. because we all know what happened. And how is it for you if there is any change with the Asian culture and being queer? I don't know if there is anything different. Yeah, so queerness and like Asian culture, I can't pretend to be like 
a beacon of knowledge on the subject. Like I'm very, my experience is very much through the lens of like, I grew up in America. Like I have a white father, like just, I don't know. It's very specific. Um, but I will say that I was really, um, excited to go back. So like about a year ago, a little, like a year and a half ago before quarantine hit, I was in Malaysia and Singapore and I was kind of nervous because this was the first time I was, I went back to where my mom is from and was kind of like a fully cooked or like not fully cooked, but like mostly cooked queer person. And I don't know, it was just, I was worried about how I would have to act and how I would be perceived. Um, and I, at the time I had longer hair, so it was a little less, <laughs> I feel like it's very, I don't know. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> very indicative with a shaved head. <laughs> but uh, I, so I don't know, it, it was, I was nervous, but when I got there, I was really excited to learn about like queer spots. Like I went to this really cool bookstore that wasn't necessarily like a gay bookstore, but it, it was so clear that they were just like, you know, the, the more alternative, like counterculture people there. And like, I saw mm-hmm. a lot of like, outwardly looking queer the Singaporeans at this bookstore um and it was really exciting to see because I hadn't really like last time I was visiting my family I was I think I was in it was like late high school and I went there and I was kind of touring my cousin's school with her she was showing me around and I was like is there a gay straight alliance like what's the deal with that and she was like like she didn't really know it didn't seem like it was a very um, concrete uh, organization there. Or I don't know. And it was just really, it's interesting to see how that's changed and how that um, has evolved, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't really know. I'm not like the, the tour guide of um, queer culture in Asia. But. Yeah. Have you like seen anything different the way that people treat you or even on your trip, if you see anything different, although you said that you were kind of cooking up, like <laughs> coming out as totally, totally yeah. queer? Um, I, so I didn't really notice anything like overt, but I will say this is just kind of an unrelated thing. I, I found it. So in the States when I'm here, like I'm, I love to make like hold eye contact with like men who are leering um so like like it's like a game I'm like I have to win this eye contact battle um but a lot of men in Singapore would not release eye contact with me and it was just really interesting like I don't know because I I would stare them down you know I'd be like okay you're looking at me I'll look at you it feels creepy kind of yeah and then all of a sudden I was like wait it's been like a minute like I don't know uh how much longer I can stare at this person <laughs> it was just an interesting like cultural difference I was uh, I was like oh staring is much more open over here um which is not related really but just adjacent um but yeah I didn't I didn't notice any specific um I don't know I went I was hunting for like a queer bar or a lesbian bar um in Singapore and I I didn't really find anything explicit like that Um, yeah but it was interesting too um and I'm just rambling at this point but it was interesting I was in Malaysia and a notification popped up on tinder and I was like swiping through tinder and a notification popped up and it was like just a warning you're in an area where the government or I don't remember the exact message but it was like this isn't okay here when I was swiping through women on tinder so it was I don't know which was a shocking thing um 
to see. Uh, yeah, I don't know, because it, it Malaysia is a definitely like a Muslim country, and there's a lot they follow Islamic law. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think like all of us have heard like about how a few countries, honestly, all over the world, but in Asia, that are very conservative regarding them stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. And I've never really, like, I grew up in a pretty liberal area and like I currently am in Brooklyn. So it, it's, I've never dealt with like a hyper-conservative area before, which was an experience. Yeah. And in the United States specifically, have you seen anything, have you felt or were personally attacked or anything regarding these facts? on Asian hate just because you are half Asian or anything like that? Um, I feel really lucky that I haven't uh, experienced like very direct attacks. Um, I think they're, I think because I am kind of white passing it, uh, probably people have to do more math to discriminate against me. <laughs> you know, they have to like carry the nine. They're like, I don't know what you are, but you're something yeah. over there. Um, so I'm very lucky in that, in that way, but I've definitely seen it and I've seen looks and I've seen really, I don't know. I've just felt the change in energy when like I'm around, like I'm in a group of white people and there's like a, a group of Asian people nearby, like in the streets or something. And I don't, it's, it's a strange energy to feel. And it could be just like the kind of, because I'm thinking about it so much, I'm hyper aware of it, but I'm not sure. Um, there was more, when I was growing up, it was more, like covert kind of things like I didn't feel comfortable being identified as Asian from other people like I remember feeling when I was younger a lot of relief um every time people were like oh I didn't know you were Asian I remember feeling like relief when I was younger and I just had a lot of internalized um racism I think and yeah it's it's which is hard to get through and I think a little bit harder not harder but it's harder to like it's difficult to pinpoint where it comes from and like undo the things I've learned and conditioned myself to feel um, when it's more covert and like less tangible. Yeah, cause the whole Asian hate awareness, it was bigger in the United States because it started there. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's really funny because I see on my personal Instagram, some Brazilians, they do raise awareness for it even though it's not um, necessarily a big thing here in Brazil. But then I was drafting the outline for the episode and I went back and I started thinking that it actually, there is Asian hate here. I mean, obviously I think there is everywhere just um, specifically, but in terms of microaggressions, I would say, and I remember when I was 16, we, I went to this high school exchange program in the Netherlands. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Moving to Edinburgh was not an easy decision and it required a lot of mental and emotional preparation. And nothing could have prepared me better than going to therapy. I've been in therapy for the past seven years now and I cannot recommend it enough for those who think about starting this journey. I know sometimes it might be hard to find a good therapist that will match you, so that's why I recommend a BetterHelp as your next therapy source. 
BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy. But with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash the Brazilian POV. That's betterehlp.com slash the Brazilian POV. So we were a group of Brazilians and there was this guy that he was, um, you could see in his physical looks that he was part Asian. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to stay with the Brazilians so much because he wanted to take in the experience and just get far away from the Brazilians and really immerse in the culture. So we were for a week in this camp and he stayed with the Belgians. And I don't really know, understand exactly why, because he didn't understand French, but he was with them all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we had, it was 2012. So we had like a Facebook group for ourselves. <laughs> there wasn't like anything else to do yeah and I remember that we had a fight there that it was like him against all of the other kids and we used to call him Japa which is like it's Japanese and then just like this um nickname for I think it it was used more back then for every single girl or boy or like men women woman that was clearly descendant of Asians Mm -hmm. and we would call him like that and it wasn't his name and he said in the middle of the fight someone said okay chill and then call him this nickname and he got super super upset and he said this is not my name stop calling me like that and we all laughed but and it was funny like back then but when you look back, this is 100% a microaggression. And Asian hate, we, obviously we were teenagers. Teenagers are really fucking stupid. <laughs> but still, it wasn't something that anyone said to us. Like, it was fine to do this. Yeah. So it's really funny because when you actually look deep, you can see that there is Asian hate really rooted even here when it's technically not such a big deal or it's not on the news or anything mm-hmm. specific or targeted targeted for Asians. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, I think I remember like when I was younger, it was just, it was really popular to make fun of like Asian accents, Asian culture. It was, it, there was less of a stigma about it, I think. It was like the comfortable neutral ground that everyone could like, I think of that vine do you know that vine when it's like this girl and she's like drinking water or something and she's like no offense but like Asian people suck and have you seen that vine no I don't think so 
it was really like popular for some reason and I remember seeing that and like at the time being like oh yeah I yeah that's I guess funny I get I get it um but it's crazy like what you kind of glaze over in um the things you glaze over trying to fit in you know and yeah like I, I it I feel like until even like way too recently, it was very kosher to like put on an Asian accent. And I had friends when I was growing up who would do that. And like, again, they, it wasn't malicious and they didn't know better. Um, but I like, cause I, I would join in when I was younger. Cause it was the only way I really knew how to like not be the butt of the joke. And like, if you join in, it's like, oh, okay. They get yeah. it. They're, they're a cool one. Um, but looking back now, it's like, God, that was really... I, I don't know what I was teaching myself when I was just letting that happen and joining in. And I, I wish I could go back and like defend myself a little bit now that I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of, I don't know if there's a lot of layers to that kind of situation. Yeah. Like I said, the movies back then, they used, if you watch, like, I don't even know, I think 16 Candles, if I'm not mistaken. Oh God. Yeah. Like it sucks completely if you actually like that's insane. It's yeah. yeah. That was one of the yeah, I remember watching that so young and just not thinking twice about it. Like I watched it later as an adult and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. It's not even like smart humor. It's just low-hanging fruit. The fruit is on the ground. The the fruit has rotted on the ground. <laughs> it's yeah. it's just insane what passed as like comedy and it's, yeah, exactly. it's interesting to think about what things are happening now that will in the future be seen as like so outlandish and insensitive and insane and so I'm I feel like I don't know if this has happened to other people but um I'm super I try to be super aware of like prejudices I have that I'm not fully that I haven't fully um recognized yet or like I try and like cover all my blind spots you know when I'm I think like, especially this year, Asian hate awareness increased a lot, but I can not remember when Gigi Hadid was supposed to go to the Victoria's Secret fashion show, I think, and I don't remember where it was in Asia specifically, mm. and then she made like a joke with the Buddha, and then she was canceled. Yeah. I thought it was like powerful I was like oh that, thank god they're not just taking this joke for granted oh, oh like she's a supermodel she doesn't know what she's doing she's supposed to know what she's doing yeah for sure and it's like at the ultimately like people who are at that level of famous have a whole team watching what they do yeah. and say and like give them like PR prep etc and it's like this some someone should have I don't know you you reap what you sow in that situation yeah it's good to hold people responsible I think so uh, I see that in your Instagram a lot, you advocate so much for the Asian and the queer communities. And can you say like a little bit, how do you feel behind doing this? And how do you feel like this is important for you to post on your Instagram and speak up and just being the, in part, like part of these two communities and like, just speaking out for them. Yeah, um, I think that it would be difficult for me not to speak up about it at this point because I feel like I talk so much. 
<laughs> like I just I I'm a fairly I'm fairly filterless um I just kind of post whatever and I it, this is how I this is what I talk about when I'm with my friends so it makes sense that the things that I talk about online are also that um at the same time I think it's definitely uh I don't know I feel like it's important to have raised visibility for as as many groups and like identities as you have you know like it's it's important to see a lot of different types of people in different minorities and groups like that because it's not there's not one queer person there's not one type of asian queer person there's a lot of different people and it's you're not gonna like every single person and you're not gonna like understand every single viewpoint but i think it's important to have like a a wide pool so at the end of the day i'm like okay i gotta contribute to the pool <laughs> even if people and like even if i'm not necessarily everyone's speed i just gotta like say what's on my mind and be honest about it and sincere um which is hard on social media it's hard to be sincere and i was posting a lot of like the infographics like back when uh george floyd was murdered um you know i was i think i and like a lot of other people were glued to their phones like I, I constantly wanted to stay updated and like know what was going on and I was posting a lot of things that I don't know if was actually like helping anyone um, and so I tried to be more thoughtful about what I post um, and like thoughtful about how I'm contributing to the overall like social consciousness about that kind of stuff because um, I never want to uh value the effects of like posting on social media over or like the aesthetic of posting on social media over like the genuine uh impact it has if that makes that was a convoluted sentence but, yeah no it makes sense uh, yeah I, I, I don't know I just try and be honest and I try and correct myself publicly when I make mistakes and just grow as a person all the time I, I try <laughs> so like a little side question do you think that living in New York helped you like being your true self and coming out and all of this just because New York is such a free city and no one looks at you twice really you can dress however you want you can be whoever you want and I love this about New York so do you think that it contributed for you to be your true self? Yeah, I think there's, so for a while I was living in Crown Heights, um, like during the pandemic and stuff, which is, it's a really nice area. And I, I really actually adore Crown Heights. Um, but I now live in Bushwick, surprise, surprise. Um, and it's really cool to see, like to walk outside and see like three other, like clearly queer bald people, <laughs> you know? So like there's, you can, I don't know, there's a lot of just visibility for queer people and for just like people of any look and so it's there's a comfort in being like okay I know I'm not the weirdest person anyone has seen today like there's a comfort in that kind of an on, uh, anonymity you know um and I do think it is it's helped me be more comfortable I give much less can I swear on this I give much of a, well, like less of a fuck yeah about go ahead. <laughs> what I wear and like what I dress and how I act and um it's hard I'm really appreciative of that because I grew up in the Midwest where it's very, I don't know, very passive aggressive, very like, oh, yep, yeah, okay, yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. And here it's like, yeah, do what you're doing, uh, get out of my space. I don't know. It's very direct and I, I really like that. And I think um, 
it's helping me come out of like my little Midwestern blanket a little bit. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your music. I'm yeah. obsessed. Love your music. <laughs> so <Thank> you. <laughs> my music loves you. <laughs> so how was um, the not even like decision making? I think this is too serious, I guess, but kind of like decision making and process of like, oh, I'm, I want to write music. This is how I express myself better. And um, the whole story of you making music and then decided to be a musician. Sure. Um, okay. It wasn't, I would love to say that I had this like really intense plan from like when I was super young of like, this is what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. And this is how it's going to all play out. Um, but it's very serendipitous, I think, or at least it, not even serendipitous, it just like organic. I, I don't think I could stop doing music and that sounds very artsy dramatic, but it's just the way I process my emotions now at this point. Like it's my main processing mechanism and so I like to think of it as kind of like a I guess machine or something like I'm just caught whatever I input it doesn't matter if I'm like studying music or if I'm rock climbing or like playing board game. like I'm just whatever I input I'm gonna process it and then it'll eventually seep into my music um and when I started this like most recent album I I had this idea kind of kicking around in my head for like years and it started like in college and um then I graduated music school and I went through like a six month writer's block I was just my life was like oversaturated with music I just studied it nonstop for three years like I I, I had to take a break and I was getting kind of worried after at like month six I was like oh cool I'll never write a song again that's okay I guess I guess I just spent money on that degree for fun um <laughs> which always happens when I get writer's block and I was like had a good run that was fun. <laughs> um, but then I went to Malaysia and Singapore and was there for a while and it, music just was like pouring out of me. It was, it just, I tapped into something there and um, I'm super grateful that I found my way back to writing again after my little hiatus. And I don't think I could have stopped making this album if I tried. Um, so I wish I could say that it was like, there was a lot of forethought and planning, but it just kind of tumbles out of me. Um, but I've been doing music for a long time. I would say like since sixth grade or so. I was like a baby baby. Um, and it's just, it's very, yeah, there's very little like structure to the way, like I don't really like sit down and like practice scales and like all the really cool things that I probably should be doing. Um, I just practice through songwriting and I write many, many songs, most of which I will never show anyone because they are workspace songs, you know? Um, but yeah, I feel pretty proud of the the like album I put together this past year, and I'm excited to share that. The full okay. album is dropping in July, like mid to late July. Okay, so I guess stay tuned for that. <laughs> stay tuned, Spotify. Thank you so much, Gabby, for coming to the episode. I really enjoyed having you, and as I told you, I think like 15 times right I love your music, <laughs> so it's amazing to have you here, honestly. Thank you so much for having me here. It, it, this is this has been really lovely. You're a great podcast host. And oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I had a really good time. So where can people find you online? You can find me online at Zabby G Music, Z-A-B-B-Y-G-M-U-S-I-C. Um, on Instagram, on Twitter, on 
YouTube, I think. Um, and my Spotify, like artist name is Zab in all caps, C-A-B. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And before I wrap up this episode, I wanted to recommend Spirited Away just because I realized I actually don't consume a lot of Asian content, either movies or TV shows. Actually, I do watch one reality show, South Korean, really good, but I think I already recommended this one here. Um, or read books. So one that I just loved when I was a child and I love till these day is Spirited Away, which I think it's a fan favorite and I think speaks quite a lot with Zab's story and her trip to Asia. And it's just amazing movie and it reminds me a lot of her song monsoon moon which is basically my favorite so this is the recommendation of the week so yeah thank you so much for tuning in and i hope to see you back here next week bye everyone